a vast ye and welcome to the gay pirate podcast where two queer irl pirates talk about our flag means death one episode at a time i'm lark malachi gray and i did a punch (laughs) uh i'm jesse blount don't listen to the devil suit it wishes to deceive us that's true Uh, and today we are talking about uh, episode five of season two, The Curse of the Seafaring Life, in which Ed is back on the ship uh, trying to make amends to the rest of the crew. Steed acquires a cursed suit to the dismay of the crew. Uh, a, lot of pro- a lot of trauma is processed in a variety of ways. And Lucius and Peek engage! Woo! Yay. Yes, indeed. Um, before we get into it. What do I have to tell you? You know, all the episodes are longer on Patreon. So maybe join us at patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless. If you want to hear us talk about things that are only tangentially related to the episodes, um, in addition to a bunch of other great stuff. And, you know, our patrons are the whole reason we're able to make podcasts. So thanks to everyone who's already supporting us. Thanks, everyone. You can also support us by leaving us a five-star written review on Apple Podcasts and telling all of your friends to listen to us. You should also look at our new merch. It's not new anymore by the time this episode comes out, but it's still the newest thing in our shop. It's a cartoon of the revenge that's very cute. It's a I put it on a mug, not a beach towel, turns out. I'd have to charge you $50 for a towel, and I simply cannot excuse that. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> very, no very, very sad day for us when we found that out. But yes, yeah. but a mug still exciting. Yes, very cute mugs. Hello, everyone. Future Lark here with an update about this merch. So we did a poll on Instagram asking folks what they wanted this print on and a ton of people requested stickers. So we are doing a pre-order for the stickers. It ends on the 29th of February because it's a leap year. And as of right now, I think we need five more orders to be able to order the stickers at all. So if you've been procrastinating, make sure you go to hashtag ruthless.com slash shop and put your order in now so that everyone can get their stickers. Okay, back to the episode. Um, and I'm still offering portraits as a way to offset some of my dog Rufio's vet bills. They're super cute. You can see those in our shop also. Everything's in the show notes. And now we're going to get started with Talk It Through as a crew, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Oh, do you want to go first? Oh, no, I just talked for so long. It's definitely your turn. So we start off with Awkward House Meeting Part 2. We have Part 1 in the last episode, and we have Part 2 right here, which I think if if anyone has ever lived in a house with more than one other roommate <laughs> i feel like this this whole vibe is very familiar <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah i mean i think we should also at least i think we should talk about this from a like restorative justice standpoint too maybe in another section but i do see how you get house meeting vibes from this because yeah yeah like like you i've been at at many a house meeting. <laughs> Listen, I re- I honestly, y'all, I really do believe in collective living because, I don't know, living with only one person seems deeply lonely. But I'm also like, 
Yeah, working, living with your coworkers, like in on a pirate ship, it just, it just, you have some struggles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even if they're not your coworkers, collective living is, yeah, is a trip. It's a lot. You have to have a lot of energy, I think, to be able to live collectively, at least with like that many housemates. Yeah, I actually I follow. I have a newsletter of like basically people who are trying to do collective living that like aren't based in like anarchist property. So it's like people have separate rooms or even separate dwellings. And I'm like, this is the way. <laughs> yeah, yes, totally. Exactly. Uh, yep. Anyway. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, my first thing here is that <laughs> I feel like the shock in my body the first time and second time that I watched this episode when they're on the sh- they've boarded the ship, everyone is dead, gruesomely, horrifically dead. Mm-hmm. And they hear a sound from like within the ship and Steed runs towards the sound. <laughs> and like, I don't even watch horror movies, but I imagine this is what people feel in horror movies. It when, sure is. When the person, d- you're like, n- n- no. What? I just, yeah, I was like, Steve, what? What do you think you're going to find? Like, why would you do that? Yeah, this is, it's, yeah. It's definitely a thing where it's like, Steed, you like don't have the right, um, correction. It's like, Steed, I don't think you're processing the like danger of the situation in the slightest. No. The fact that no one tells him to stop, though, too, is, I think, maybe the most shocking part. Like, there's no one there who's like, no, Steed. They're all just like, dude, to do. I, I assume part of that is a like, well, somebody's going to get Steed. We'll know if something is going to happen. True, true. Yeah. <laughs> He's the canary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, what do you have next? Um... All right, so I only have a couple of things here, but when Ed and Steed are talking and they're like sitting in the hallway of Steed's stateroom, Steed is just like putting like silver cups on that like one shelf that in season one once held his tiny model of the revenge, Mm -hmm. which obviously Ed threw like threw overboard or whatever. And so it's just funny to me that he's like, something needs to go in this cabinet and it's going to be these whatever random treasure is still hanging out on the shelf. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just made me laugh. No, that's sweet. You're right. Um, I really appreciated when Ed and Fang are talking and Ed's like, I'm, I'm not a dick. I was assertive. And Fang's like, yeah, that that's a dick. And I was like... <laughs> glad that's like on the record now i feel like more people need to make that statement very explicitly and i love it i cannot wish to talk more about how much i love fang in this episode yeah um and my last my last thing is that roach is like one of my favorite characters so i have to believe that he is the one responsible for the fact that they have enough garlic for <laughs> Oluwande and Jim and Archie to just drape themselves yeah. with like strings of garlic, <laughs> which is already like that is so much garlic. Um, but I guess not for the amount of people that live in this ship. And I'm like, 
that's just it's just really funny to me. Yeah, I mean, I think we have every reason to believe that he's a legitimately good cook. And I think that having enough garlic on hand to be able to use as much as you need for whatever you're making is part of being a really good cook. So I think you're completely correct. Right. And as our ship's doctor, I mean, how much <laughs> how much heavy medicine is like throw a clove of garlic on it, in it, inside of your body? It's yep. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's true. That's also a really good point. <laughs> yep. <sighs> Um, my last thing here is that I do find the moment where Izzy gives Lucius the shark to be very charming. I feel resentful anytime I have to find anything that Izzy does charming in any way, but I like that moment and I'm willing to admit it. Same. <laughs> my my favorite part though is when like Lucius is like reluctantly like I actually love this. Yeah, <laughs> Just, like, that's exactly like... <laughs> how I feel about it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. Welcome to Brigade of Imbeciles, where we talk about character development. Uh, I feel like we get. A lot more of this episode in general, just because we get to see more of our extended family of characters here. Mm-hmm. So wherever you want to start. Um, I actually would love to start by doing a sort of like, what could have been about the fact that in this episode, we really do get the vibe that Jim and Elawande and Archie are a thruple. Very much so, yes. They're hanging out, they're making jokes, they're like all hiding in this bed together from the cursed jacket. And, and I'm like, just yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And I'm like, they're definitely sharing that bed was the vibe that I've got. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and knowing that that's not like real, that's not lasting at least, is like such a bummer, you know? Yeah. Because I have, I don't think I've said it yet, uh, listeners, I have finally watched the whole season. I finished it the other week, last weekend or something. Yeah, I feel like this vibe between the three of them in this episode, like, it's like, oh, I, yes, I feel it now. I'm like here for this. And then, yeah, you're right. We don't totally get it really the rest of the episodes. Yeah. (laughs) Which among so many things is a tragedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And before we leave those three, I... (laughs) I mean, we still, we learn almost nothing about Archie, but the fact that we get this like random one off where she's like, oh yeah, I've wrestled pythons. I used to be in a snake cult. You're like, what? Hello. I would like to know more about this than just this one line actually. Like what tattoo did she just reference? Like, I want to see a close up of it. Tell me more about Archie's snake cult life. I know. I actually tried to do some research to be like... I was like snake cults and I got a variety of information on the internet and I'm like, and none of it really interesting enough to like boil down for this episode. But uh, I also would love to know more about, I feel like the glimpses we get of Archie's backstory is always just like, even though I feel mid about her character, I'm like, I still would have liked to have known more about you. (laughs) Yeah, she gives um, a lot of faith vibes, I feel like. She has the same sort of, like, offhanded remarks about things that are all like, wait, what? You know? Yeah. And, like, you know, pulling out the the badass skills and stuff like that, so. Yeah, seriously. Another thing that could have been. Yep. All right. I guess let's talk about Fang. Okay. Who 
I say we get like the most that we ever learn about Fang in this episode, which I love, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fang is such an excellent character, just like, I don't know, ideal bear of a man. <laughs> um, but I like how he gives like his and Ed's conversation when they like go fishing or Fang is just like, you were a dick. You did some fucked up shit. I beat the crap out of you. That was kind of good enough for me. But I also, I think the way that Fang like sort of clocks Ed when he's like, basically like, I think you're afraid of your own thoughts, (laughs) which is like both like such a read, but also like so accurate about Ed's character. And I think sort of Ed's, I don't know, self-loathing fear of like learning about like, you know, being with himself. I don't really know what combination of things to say it is but i just love that thing calls it out to ed when he's just like no i don't i can i can be quiet i can do a thing even though i'm like ed you have adhd whatever yeah. good luck my good luck my dude <laughs> uh honestly the most i've ever related to ed is in this episode where he's like i know i can absolutely sit quietly in my own head without it being the worst thing that's ever happened to me and it's like liar. <laughs> oh my god! The the did you watch the end credit where it's just like him in his head? Yeah. Uh, I feel like I have never seen a character on television reflect what my inner thoughts are like when it's like everyone's like you should meditate for your mental health, and I'm like, how do you meditate? How pe- like how to clear your thoughts? The fuck does that look like? And that's basically what it looks like for me. And I just love how we have this with Ed. <laughs> yep. Yeah, totally. When left unattended, my brain is like, you know, a goat in a pristine garden. Like, it has no business being there and will only do harm. Like, this this fucker, not to be trusted. So. Yeah, no, hard, hard same. It's either just like. I am so bored. I want to like rip my own skin off or it's just like, wow, let's think about that like shitty thing that you did 15 years ago. Wasn't that shitty? Don't you feel terrible now? And it's like, why? Yeah. No one remembers this, but me it's been 15 years. And it's like, my brain's like, nope, it's still alive right here. And I'm like, yep, exactly. Yes. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Like he approached it like it was like he was like, yeah, it's like a like a a challenge. Like yeah, I'll I'll take that dare. I can I can shut up. Fuck it, fine. Watch it. Why I'm gonna be I'm gonna be quiet better than anyone's ever been quiet before ever. (laughs) I I just love I just I love everything about that. It's just yeah, it's so good. Uh, yeah, I love Fang. It is very funny. We find out his name is Kevin. <laughs> oh my god, it's so funny. Yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, I really like Fang in this episode too. I felt like up until this point a little like iffy on their treatment of Fang this season because they've done like t- for me too much leaning into the sort of like childlikeness of Fang. Like they've I felt like that's been overdone and he's been too like infantilized for me in a way that I don't love. And this episode, you know, when he's like, I'm going to catch some fishies. I was like, oh, we're doing it again. But then actually the conversation that him and Ed have doesn't feel like that. And I was really relieved to be back with like 
grown adult man fang you know yeah yeah it really i feel like for this the bit where they go fishing it's sort of i feel like my sense is fang are you somehow the most emotionally well-adjusted person on the ship (laughs) it's like tell me your secret how you've been a pirate for at least 20 years and like are just still able to have even childlike joy about anything. <laughs> I think that him and Ivan really maybe protected each other in a lot of ways based on what we saw in the last season. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Which is, again, why it was a shame that they could not have hired that actor. He he left voluntarily. I thought he did. I thought he, I thought he, I thought they didn't, uh, he announced right after the last season ended that he wasn't coming back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. I feel better about that because I thought they were just like, we're not going to hire you back. And I'm like, no. No, he, it's, yeah, like literally right after season one finished airing, he, it was like out that he was like, I had such a great time, but I'm not coming back for season two. It might have even been before there was a season two that he said yeah. that. So. Yeah. Well, I would love to see him in more things. Anyway, Yes. Yeah, I was also glad to see more emotional range from Thing. Yeah. And just, yeah, very interesting to contextualize where Ed is like, I've known him for 20 years. I didn't even know his name was Kevin, which is like, LOL. But also, that is a long time (laughs) to be dealing with Ed's bullshit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Do you have anything else here? Uh, I guess I don't know if this is, I guess this isn't necessarily sexy, but I do like that Ed and Steed kiss and hold hands. (laughs) Yeah, I like it too. In the like, the direct, obviously callback to the you were fine things well seen of season one to be like, we can, we can wait uh, a bit. And I'm like, this is so sweet. Because the guys moon's do... only three quarters full. Oh my god. <laughs> and they have like a cute little thumb wrestling mat. I'm just like. Yeah, no, it's so cute. It's lovely. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Do You Fancy a Fine Fabric, where we talk about aesthetics. And remember, we do an image roundup for every episode. So if you want to look at what we're talking about while we talk about it, click the link in the show notes or go to hashtag ruthless.com slash the gay pirate podcast and you will find it. Um, I really like Roach's new shirt. Uh, yeah, everyone gets a slightly updated wardrobe this season. <laughs> and I like chains around his apron. I don't know. It's just. <laughs> yeah, it's like tiger stripey. I like that it was the last one a tank top. No, I can't remember. Uh, it had really short sleeves, but it okay. did have sleeves. Yeah, I don't know. It's like showing off his arms. It's I just I, just, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I obviously love uh, what I assume Frenchie sewed a new cat flag for the revenge. <laughs> I think it's a rat. I. I don't know. I paused on it at the end and then I was doing a comparison, like a side by side with the screenshot from the back of his jacket, which is definitely a cat. Mm -hmm. And this one is like a little pointier and like the ears are like rounder. I don't know. I got the impression that it was a rat and I was like, oh, is there like some sort of symbolism here? Did I miss something? Is there like a reason that it would be 
a rat, but it's like very almost identical design, but like slightly different. Either way, it's great. Yeah. I guess I would also think that if you're someone like Frenchie who is thinks cats are evil in a very funny way, maybe you're just like, I mean, rats are pretty cool. So objectively, very cool and very cute animals and definitely <laughs> don't deserve as much shit as they get as a species. I think it, I think it is your turn. Um, Steed's suit, obviously. Got to talk about that. I have no feelings about the suit itself, but I have a lot of feelings about Reese Darby's acting with the suit. Which oh my is god! Top his notch. Little, his twirling. <laughs> I think. I feel like maybe it's just because of the way that he's wearing the suit, but it really sort of gives me disco seventies esque vibes. I don't. All right. I don't know, or just, or maybe just because the way that he's twirling around in that suit, it's like, are you in a disco musical? Because that's what it feels like. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. if the show, I don't think that it would, I think they could have done it. Okay. I kept thinking in the scene where he's talking to Izzy and he's like looking at himself in the mirror and then like turning around and talking to Izzy. I think that at least once in the time, like shots where his back is to the mirror, they should have done something where like his reflection was like a little out of sync or like, you know, something you really had to be paying attention to catch, but that, like, was like, yes, this jacket is legitimately cursed. You know? Wouldn't that have yeah. been so fun? I know. Yeah, especially because if we're leaning into the magic of buttons turning into a seagull, like, we can lean into this being an actually cursed jacket. I mean, they go on a ship that has a pentagram, which is so, like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. That's oh, just so funny. Yeah. My last thing is the return of Pete's horseshoe belt buckle. Oh. <laughs> Ginormous horseshoe belt buckle, uh, which just makes me laugh. You know, a thing about pirates is that they, like all queers, are about aesthetics over comfort, and I respect it. Yeah. Always. Always. Um, My last thing is Fang's vest. I don't know if we've ever been this close to it for this long before, but like the detail is exquisite. It's so good. I love it so much. Welcome to Stark Revelations, where we talk about things that are fucked up. My literal first point is that the curse is trauma. That's the seafaring curse. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, this episode's kind of all over the place when it comes to trauma. It feels a little bit like they were like, we got to address it from every angle and we only have half an hour. Go. Um, Which ends up a little little muddy and a little confusing. I don't know. What do you think? I think it's I I agree with you and it's too bad because this is other and this is otherwise I think a really good episode and like sort of is the first episode that we're getting that feels more aligned to the vibe of season 1. Agree. Um than anything we've gotten so far. And so yeah, so it's it does feel kind of weird because we see Lucius go through a very short arc about dealing with his the trauma that Ed has caused him and sort of the ruminations you see him having about Ed and the kind of just 
the sort of weight that is taking up in Lucius's brain, spirit. And while I really love that Pete is trying to be like, you know, you know, I never heard anything about the fact that you lived through this, which is like, on one hand, narratively, very sweet, but also kind of like, not exactly the way that you uh, heal anyone's anyone's tr- emotional trauma. <laughs> right. And it, the episode kind of does imply that that did, in fact, heal Lucius's emotional trauma, which I don't love. I think I wrote, um, where is it? You can't get over trauma by pushing Ed off the ship, but you can get over it by having Pete yell at you. And I I don't know. I'm like, mm, mm. Yeah. Think positive yeah. thoughts is not uh, my favorite recommendation for how to deal with. Yeah. Re- reframing your thoughts. A strategy. One of the many strategies to have. But yeah, being like, focus on the fact that you survived sometimes just not gonna cut it i think what is especially frustrating is that the things that lucius says that the things that he voices about why he's still frustrated the whole situation is totally legit like ed gives a i don't know the kind of apology a youtuber says when they say something racist and they're trying to backtrack but don't act but doesn't actually say that they're sorry and right. Lucius is like does anyone else notice that that was not an actual apology and everyone else is like this is good enough. No one has ever apologized to me, which is like, oh. Yeah. And so Lucius being kind of being like, well, I'm not like, I can't just forget and move on or forgive and move on, which I'm like, is also legitimate. Like forgiveness can be great, but like it isn't a cure all for when people have caused a lot of trauma against you. <laughs> yeah. So... I feel like I think with dealing with Lucius's trauma in this episode, it's sort of like seesawing between goofy season one vibes of this episode and then attempting what they're doing in this season to be like not so goofy about emotions and real life impacts of trauma. But it just it doesn't totally work. It totally doesn't, because the thing is that the way that they have it paired up, it's kind of like as a viewer, you're always like do they think that the thing I'm watching right now is supposed to be funny? Is Lucius, you know, standing here, like, shaking with his cigarette, totally freaked out? Like, is this part is this part of the, the funny thing? Because it's not funny. And if it's not supposed to be funny, like, why? Did, I don't know. I really, it's, like, so disorienting to watch, I feel like, is a lot of what I'm, realizing about this season the longer I watch it is just like the pieces don't fit together and so you end up feeling like you're you know looking in a like a funhouse mirror or something like that like your brain can't grab what you're seeing in a coherent way yeah and yeah I think having watched the the Doctor Who special where they're like hey let's talk about the doctor's intense trauma in the midst of this like very fun and funny episode where we take like five entire minutes of the end of the episode to be like, Hey, healing from trauma. It's a long road. You need the support of people who love you. The episode's not being funny anymore. It's being like intentional and kind and sweet. And you're like, Oh, look, you can do it. Actually, you can take your like funny fantasy show and have a conversation about healing. You just have to, 
be careful. And I don't feel like they were careful. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's either that or this is another thing that in trying to potentially cut down a longer season to be a shorter season to make it be coherent, it makes it less coherent. And like maybe could have been a thing that more like a more streamlined plot or just a little bit less trying to resolve sort of Lucius's trauma response in such a short amount of time and which you and like in because in reality this could have been a season-long journey um in a similar in a similar way that like ed's sort of crisis of self that he's struggling with this season is expands the entire length of the of season two yeah um in terms of things that i do appreciate though i like that the show is presenting us with a like restorative justice model of justice <laughs> feeling like yeah. Izzy with his curse metaphor suddenly and you know I kind of like the silliness of it being like you know he's being allowed back into this community with provisions one of which is that he's wearing a cat collar like <laughs> you know when he's coming up behind you and I we we like never see this and so I do like it being here. No, you are you are very correct cuz it is really nice to see as opposed to punishing Ed. It's like you're going to do things around the ship. You're going to like help the crew out. You're going to still be a part of the ship with, you know, the caveat of like you're going to be working on helping the crew also work through yeah i mean i think it's nice that we see as opposed to ed being punished that he is sort of a like we can work through this by you still being a part of like the crew and the ship and like doing things that like you know like all right he's like fixing the latch and the door and like doing other things that are beneficial for the crew and like for the ship and like honestly even for ed right yeah that part is honestly really nice yeah. Um, and what I would love to see happen in Star Trek versus everyone being sent to the brig. It's like, there is a different way of going about that. Yeah. Yep. So. I would even, I would even accept the, the quarantine model from Star Trek. I think that would be fine too. Or like have it be dependent, situation dependent, you know, not every situation works for every kind of like non-punitive system but there are multiple kinds for a reason anyway we'll talk about that on the gaily planet (laughs) um do you have anything else here i do want to briefly bring up izzy surprise Mm, this is this is a surprise to me too and i want to bring it up because we see what we see here is izzy dealing with Ed having shot him and causing the loss of his leg by Izzy telling Lucius that, like, it was a shark. I'm just going to completely rewrite the, like, what has actually happened into a, like, fiction, which I'm like, not a great way of dealing with your trauma. I've definitely tried that before. And I'm like, ooh, ooh, Izzy, what? Ooh. <laughs> um... And I guess if that is even a thing that he actually believes or something that he's telling Lucius in a way to be like, fucking get over it, which isn't great. 
uh, is still so fucked up. <laughs> uh, and maybe actually, maybe that is how Izzy is dealing with this. Um, but it's just, I guess I'm glad we're seeing a really unhealthy way of dealing with your trauma because that is definitely <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, I am. What is my feeling? We don't like, do we come back to this in any sort of like, this isn't working for Izzy way? Because it doesn't really feel like the show is saying like, ooh, look how poorly Izzy is dealing with this trauma. It almost feels like it's like, because he's like not moving on is worse. And it's like, look at Izzy moving on. And he's like, helping Steed learn how to be a better captain. And he's like doing his exercises and he's you know bonding with the crew and so i'm like are we are we supposed to think that some sort of like just get over it method is like actually effective or what is happening you know i can't tell it just makes me really uncomfortable because i'm like uh what yeah (laughs) i'm like oh no I don't think that he's like trying to actually convince himself that he like it was a shark or anything like that. I think he's his point more to Lucius is just like this is a thing that I have no intention of like talking about ever again. You know, I feel like if he goes to the Republic of Pirates and someone's like, Izzy, what the fuck happened to your leg? He'll be like, eh, you know, and move on. Like, that's how yeah. Izzy's going to handle this. And I'm like, is that I don't I don't fuck if I know I don't know because it seems like he says that to Lucius and Lucius is like yeah not moving on is bad and then he moves on and proposes to Pete (laughs) just like what you guys yeah it's just I just find it weird I guess Mm -hmm. as I just wanted to I want to say that because it it makes me it makes me uncomfortable I think where I'm just like what (laughs) you know though (laughs) Izzy is older than like the most of the rest of the revenge crew and not talking about it is like the quintessential boomer way of dealing with trauma so that is true maybe he's that, just being a boomer that's true this is why so many gen x gen z and millennials all need therapy so mm-hmm. <laughs> uh and honestly it does i feel like explain a lot of izzy's whole deal honestly yep Welcome to The Art of Fuckery, where we rant about stuff. Did you find yourself wishing that this conversation about did buttons really turn into a bird had ended with them being like, wow, good for him. Like, he always wanted to be a bird. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, it... I see why, at least when because we, we have Roach being like, oh, you're still sticking with that. So it makes sense that Roach is like... Black people just murdered buttons. That's fucked up. But the fact that we have in this same episode a serious conversation between Frenchie and Roach about leaving out food for the fairies makes me feel like, why wouldn't Roach have believed that? Or why wouldn't anyone on the ship have believed that? Right. And I mean, they've sailed with buttons for a while. Like, if anyone's going to fucking turn into a bird, it's that guy, you know? Yeah. If there's anyone who's an obvious sea witch, it's buttons. <laughs> right. And I just feel like they should all have believed it. And I like wanted that for buttons. I think that would have been nice. Yeah, same. Um, what's your first thing here? Uh, I only have one thing. Okay. Which is, 
I really cannot stress enough to you or our listeners how I do not care about Izzy Hands, which which is even hard because objectively, this like mini montage of pirate things Steed still can't do is funny. I just feel resentful because it's like, is, is Izzy first mate now? Like, what is going on? Like, I just... Steve's made it this far, shockingly. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm like, I don't know. I am not the person who having more Izzy hands in this episode or in the episodes is really for. And I'm just like, ugh, okay. Yep. I feel completely the same way. Yeah, I'm totally with you. I'm just like, why? Like, why are you here? Go away. <laughs> um, I think the harder they try to, like, ingratiate me to Izzy, the, like, I'm like a cat. Someone's trying to give a hug. I'm like, <laughs> you, the harder you squeeze me, the harder my claws are going into your fucking face. Like, do not. Actually, honestly, what it, what I'm actually envisioning is there's probably a meme for this somewhere where someone's trying to like wrap a cat in a towel <laughs> to burrito it to like clip its nails. And it's like the towel is Izzy and like you're the cat and you're just yeah. like, fuck no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the best anyone's going to get from me this whole season is that I liked when he gave Lucius a shark. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, same. I'm so glad we're united on this. Imagine how stressful it would be if we weren't. It is like, <laughs> I don't want to say shockingly a point of contention in the fandom because I've been in fandoms long enough to see the pattern emerging, which is fandom is real white and white fans love a mean, a mean gay white man. Or someone that they ship as gay. So it's just, it's like literal fandom catnip in a way that is deeply frustrating to me considering all the other awesome characters we get on this show. Yeah. So, yeah. Yep. All right. Uh, Did we already talk about the engagement? No, we have not actually. Okay, so that's my other thing here today is that this engagement's really cute. Super sweet. Love it. I know. I one of the bright spots of this season is I mean, I like the uh growth of the Lucius Pete relationship. It's just very it's very sweet, it's very cute, and it makes me happy. And I'm just so happy for them. Yeah. Same, same. Welcome to And They Were Co-Captains, where we talk about sexy stuff. So tell me if I'm reading this wrong, but I felt like Ed being like, Steed, you gotta, you gotta like lean into the fact that you're the, you're the captain now. Like, come on, captain, tell me what to do. Just really felt like Ed was like easing Steed into topping him. Oh shit. Yo, you are so correct. That is such a... (laughs) Sexually charged scene. <laughs> yeah. He's like, what do you what do you want me to do? He's like, clean clean stuff, fix stuff. And it's and it's just like, okay. Yeah, like his eyes are getting like bigger and bigger. <laughs> it's yeah, very good. Yeah. And I feel like when he's like, you gotta, you gotta, you know, work on the voice. You gotta work on the presentation. It's like, yeah, exactly, Steed. 
Uh, yep. Ed would like you to boss him around in bed. So you got to work on the captain voice. <laughs> yeah. Shit, how did I not have it in my notes? Yes, that was truly an excellent scene. <laughs> uh, I like that. I don't know. It felt like the fact that they had, you know, Frenchie be like, could you shut up? Be like, just so everyone knows when they're doing this in bed later, everyone on the ship will be able to hear Steed going, I'm your captain. <laughs> I mean, there's 18 windows in the in Steed's stateroom, and Ed has broken half of them. So yes, everyone's definitely going to hear them fucking, even if there maybe would have been a slightly muffling effect of the windows before. That's not happening now. Yeah, anymore. <laughs> totally. Uh, but I think as we established, everyone just sort of used to the sounds of everyone fucking. So it's that's true. That's true. Kind so of a, again, housemate vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the crystals attract demons where we talk about science and history and stuff uh i just have one thing here okay which is about peanut butter which (laughs) roach says that he invents peanut paste here and then of course poor frenchie being allergic to peanuts which is very common (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh I've been a bit bit of a deep dive to be like, the history of peanut butter, what is it? First off, peanut paste uh, made in South America. Evidence that the Aztecs and the Incas both made a peanut paste for food. So as a foodstuff, kind of old. What Americans think of when they think of peanut butter, newer. Mm Mm-hmm. What sort of kicked it off in America was uh, OG wellness scammer Kellogg, big into weird wellness stuff, also started to popularize peanut butter as a like health food, which, along with meat rationing starting during World War Two, um, during World War One, uh, really sort of opened up a market for peanut butter. So in 1921, there was a dude. He patented a process for making peanut butter that adds in the type of fat where it doesn't separate. Because for folks who haven't eaten a natural peanut butter, like minimally processed peanut butter, the oil from the peanut separates in the top and you got to stir it in. Right. But Skippy, Jiffy peanut butter, it's all just like smooth and homogenous or crunchy and like mixed in with other kinds of fat. That stuff was actually invented in 1921 by the dude who eventually made the Skippy's peanut butter company. Between this and the invention of like sliced white bread in 1929, pretty much cemented like the American palate for a like commercial peanut butter and like, you know, jelly PB&J sandwiches. <laughs> so, yeah, I did not do any research into peanut allergies, even though I should have. But really, Frenchie lucked out with only having an, an itching allergic reaction. Oh, my God. I not. know. The whole time I was like, he's going <laughs> to die. I mean, obviously, he's not going to die. But, like, they never address how they, like, help help him. And I'm just like, you guys, you don't just, like, get better from that. <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe sometimes you do. Yeah. Uh, And my last point about peanut butter is even though a lot of 
I think Americans are like, didn't George Washington Carver invent peanut butter? Um, he did not. He was just a noted peanut scientist slash bisexual who did a lot of other stuff with investigating what we can do with peanuts, but not responsible for the invention of peanut butter. I knew so. the peanut stuff, but didn't know the bisexual stuff. And I feel now like my education has been lacking. I mean, there's like a 2015, either 2005 or 2015 biography of George Washington Carver, where the author posits that she thinks that George Washington Carver was bisexual. Uh, I feel like I was reading somewhere that he had, like he like did he didn't marry and had like you know close male friendships, which is let's be real, uh, history code for was gay as fuck, but like couldn't be out about it. So right, yeah. Uh, so yeah, just love that for him. Well, not the not being able to be out thing, but yeah. the being queer thing. Yeah, uh, lo- love that for us. Many many historical uh, black historical figure, real real queer. Basically everyone in the Harlem Renaissance. But yeah, it's fun to know about other people besides everyone in the Harlem Renaissance. So, yeah. Um, All right. So my only thing here this week is a little fun fact about the name Kevin. All right. Extremely unlikely, as you may not be surprised (laughs) to know, that Fang would have been named Kevin, not just because it's an Irish name, but because it didn't, like, the anglicized form of the name, like, Kevin, as we know it, was never really given to anyone before the 20th century. Interesting. Yeah, it's like a very recent name. It peaked in popularity in like the 60s and then went back down. So it's just like had like had like a 100 little years of being a thing, even though it's like, you know, the very Irish version of it, I think, came into being in like the 600s. But yeah, it just sort of like stewed for several several many years and then had a, a brief a brief shimmer and then i think you know <laughs> the book we need to talk about kevin came out and everyone was like done with that name that would be embarrassing <laughs> so... oh wow yeah that movie is, i saw that movie it's so fucked up yeah I, i've not seen or i think read it it's a book too right um but it was big enough that it gets an entry like a it is named in the Wikipedia article as having something to do with the decline in popularity of the name Kevin. Yeah, so. I guess the book, I tried reading the book. It wasn't that good. I mean, the movie, again, has like Tilda Swinton in it and is about school shooters by any by any other name, essentially. And so it makes sense to me. People would either read that book and watch the movie and be like, actually, wow, no, I can't. Kevin, not, not really doing it anymore. Yeah. So, which I guess, sorry for spoiling the plot of, uh, we talk about Kevin, but. I don't think you need to apologize for that. Yeah. All right. Um, welcome to our final segment, Petrified Orange, where we talk about our new favorite things. You want to go first? Between the bell around Ed's neck and his excitement about catching a fish, it's just like hashtag actual cat Ed Teach <laughs> is. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I just love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. Mine is is just I, I put Steed, but really it's Reese in this coat. Like the coat acting is really the high point of this episode for me. It's the only 
part of the episode that I don't have any complicated feelings about, I think. I'm like, this is just pure fun with no analysis needed. That's nice. Yeah, just, yeah, the amount of extra swirl and bounce once he's wearing that outfit is just... It's just, it's Jeff's kiss. It's so good. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with episode six. Don't forget, we make a bunch of other podcasts and you should listen to them. Check the show notes for all the things. And until next time. It's a space. It's a safe spaceship. Comma, Bonnet's Playthings. Comma, Bonnet's (laughs) Playthings. It is a safe spaceship. Mm.